Hello and welcome to I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, otherwise known as the Twin Donalds cast. Um, <laughs> this time, joining the Twin Donalds, which I'm not going to explain, um, we have our boss, our editor-in-chief, here to tell us off and to correct us about a movie, Calvin. I've uh, come to do an a overview for this. I, I was sent by corporate <laughs> in on you guys. I heard you were spoiling things on our website, Yeah, which we seems against the, the rules. Yeah. It does seem against the rules. Um, I'm Stephen, with me as always is Vaughn. Hi Vaughn. Hello. And um, Calvin, you are here because we are um, talking about a movie that you reviewed for the site, so it made sense to have you on, and you are here to give an informed perspective um, on Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest movie, which we have all seen, obviously, and of course, from this point onwards, spoilers. But as we like to do on the podcast, because recently we've been dealing with directors uh, who have long careers or story careers or are big deals, we're going to start with our you know, fluency in Paul Thomas Anderson. So Calvin, can you tell us your Paul Thomas Anderson story first? Your opinions, your kind of like familiarity? Go. I didn't come prepared. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've, uh, I told you. <laughs> I was born ready to talk about Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. A director who I've always appreciated, who I think mm. is one of the like modern auteurs, authors of their yes. own vision, where they do like the uh, cinematography of the movies, directing and, you know, multi-layer, do their scripts. Uh, I've just been such an enthusiast and my enthusiasm has uh, uh, continued to flourish with every modern movie. Um, it's not a director where I have a large uh, downslope on. I went into Phantom Thread and I sat there amongst a very old audience, uh, the youngest person being in my 30s among this very old audience. Um, and I was just so flustered by it. I realized I had to write about movies. So just like that, great inspiration i i mean the website we have to pta to thank for uh bringing us all together in some small way it could have been any movie uh, that could have happened with any other movie that year but um uh something about phantom thread clicked with me and something about the entire oeuvre of pta has mm -hmm. really moved me fundamentally i, I presume you, you've you've seen the bunch then um Oh yeah, the, his collection. Are we including Janun in that? Have you seen Janun? What one's that? Janun, the um, music film about Johnny Greenwood. Um, oh no, I haven't. Putting, oh, it's so good. Um, watch, watch that. It's utterly incredible. Listen to the album afterwards. I should know the name of the musician they're working with, um, but it's utterly incredible. One of one of his best. Um, so, what would be, let's say, top three PTAs? Go. PT, I was not prepared. <laughs> well, it's already Licorice Pizza is already near the top of okay, mine. Let's, let's pretend that film's not out. Go. Let's, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, Phantom Thread would be in there, of course. Uh, the Master. Uh, why do I have to choose three? What do I have to? Why do I have to discount all the other works? <laughs> okay, okay, so I basically, you're saying say, all of all of them are wonderful. The whole collection of PTA movies. There's not one I dislike. I'll say that um but uh yeah the master of phantom thread uh yeah. boogie nights is up there there's punch drug glove another masterpiece mm -hmm. um there's ones i still need to uh dig into that i i realize there's more potential there than i found like inherent vice oh, inherent um, vice is so good Do you want to hear me talk about so inherent cool. vice there's, a, there's <laughs> yeah. an episode of the great movies pod where i talk about inherent vice for like three hours <laughs> um, <laughs> so i'm even a that. big that fan of uh, anima um the oh, uh, good. yeah fantastic yeah, everything. Uh, there's not one. Um, there will be mattress blood, man commercial. You know, <laughs> mattress man, great. That's two minutes of my life. Um, yeah. There's just something about PTA that I connect with everything about. There's the this generation of directors who seem like they're most valid as like music video directors, yeah. like a Jonathan Glazer and PTA kind of fit into like a solid camp of Calvin Core, where it's very specific and uh, heightened. Um, <sighs> Those two are really interesting because obviously with with Glazer you've got um, I mean interesting with both those they've worked with Radiohead making Radiohead music videos a really iconic one so the Karma Police music video of Jonathan Glazer is utterly incredible, incredible. and then you've got the um, yeah yeah the what, the Moonshape Pool singles got PTA um, music mm -hmm. videos which are really really good and it, it's interesting to have those two directors together I feel like the music video directors you've got your Spike Jones obviously and your um, uh, David Finchers and I feel like those two very much haven't really transcended those trappings they still feel like very good directors but there's still that kind of like style that's very much the mtv generation kind of style oh yeah thing. and then um, i feel like glazer and pta like brought some like cinematic mm, understanding to yeah. music video. like i wouldn't say they 
I wouldn't put them in a box like, oh, they direct no. music videos and films like music videos. I think they bring such an audiovisual sense from the I, cinema into their I, music videos, like Street Spirit way, Fade Out. Oh, yeah. The way I clarify it is I feel like David um, Fincher and um, Spike Jones bleed out their cinema bleeds out of music videos whereas i feel like I the cinema of glazer and pta bleeds into music videos and like there's equally cinematic um yeah a huge fan um vaughn um it's one thing it's interesting we've talked around pta not mentioned other than blood um yeah also, obviously <laughs> this time masterpiece um, this time we're not going to leave out any of our favorite films <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like which i mentioned we've, we've done in the past films. <laughs> so vaughn pta um yeah i've also it's funny it's kind of a similar to calvin i've seen everything except Junon. Um, which I, I need to get to, especially now that you've expressed your admiration for it's it. So good. It's so, so good. Love I, have seen, I have seen all of his narrative features. Um, top three, probably There Will Be Blood, Boogie Nights, and Punch Drunk Love. Yes. Um, but same thing as Calvin. I, there's not any of them that I dislike. Um, mm. I think uh, Hard Eight is probably his weakest, but even then, it's a very fun well, film that I enjoy a lot. Pizza doesn't exist, right? Well, <laughs> you would because be the only I, one in that because, mode because, in that case. Because but. then I agree. <laughs> if we're pretending like his pizza does not exist yet, then I agree. Hard A is, is, is his weakest film. Um, Which is a strong debut still. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, debut I really like Hard A. Um, I really, really like it. Oh, God, what was I watching recently? It's got um, the same character from Hard A in it. It's got the guy playing a character called Sydney um, that came out before Hard A. I don't know what that was, but I watched a film recently. That was the case. <laughs> I'm going to look that up at some point and, and bring it back. But Don't know off the go. top of my head. No, no, neither, neither do I, and I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, PTA, if you want to put it here, like Mike Standard Thoughts on PTA, again, the Great Movies pod, I talk about it at length um, with Max from the community, of course, Dylan Quayer um, hosting that pod. Um, so for me, Punch Drunk Love is, is one of the greatest films I've made, like is absolutely perfect and will never be topped for me. As, Same as with uh, Licorice Pizza. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie yet. We're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> cut to one minute when I've seen it. Um, so yeah, Punch Drunk Love is just a masterpiece that grows with me every time. Um, I, I agree with Cal about the master. Um, remember just watching that in the cinema and just like walking out feeling like there are a few films I've seen in the cinema and I walk out it's been like I feel different now. And that's like the master yeah, right. that was bait um, was very much the same kind of example. Um, Raw as well. Middle I mean like. That was something like even not even because it's like the best movie ever. But like that was just something different and fascinating, and right. cinema is incredible. Um, and I, I really love Inherent Vice, and maybe like sliding that in there. I want to give a shout out to Magnolia, which I think Magnolia is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, um, I love Magnolia. I think Magnolia's weirdly come to the point. I hate the term underrated, as you know, but I think Magnolia weirdly has come to that point where a lot of people crap on it because it's sincere, and I love how sincere it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do the, see I, a surprise. What seems like a surprising amount of distaste mm, for Magnolia. When yeah, I watched it and immediately was just totally in love with it. So then to like see people talking about it a couple of years after yeah. I watched it and seeing people saying that it's weaker, he's one of his weaker works or not as great. I've been kind of confused by that because I do think it is fantastic. Yeah, I think it's a phenomenal film. Um, and again, the Emmy Man soundtrack to that is, is utterly incredible. So I'm a, I'm a huge PTA fan. I think him and the Cohen brothers were like the first directors where I actively like sought. Uh, because they were living directors and making films at the time. I was right. like, I want to keep up with these people. These people are filmed to me. Well, I'm being at university. They're very much like, these are my two guys. Well, three guys. There are two Coens. There's only <laughs> one now. Um, I'm the Garfield guy. Um, so yeah, that was it. Um, so I was really excited for Licorice Pizza. And I was even more excited because I edited Calvin's fantastic review of it on the site, um, which I suggest you read, which he very effusively um, goes through all the myriad reasons why he loves the movie. And it's a beautiful review, really well written, and I like the, like the clarity on linking it to the filmic technique. Wonderful stuff. Um, you saw it, you loved it. Then Vaughn, you saw it next. Yeah, and I saw it, and I'm kind of in between you two, I would say. I, mm. I like it a lot. I think it's great, but I think there's also a few things in there that give me a little bit of pause. Um, I do want to revisit it at some point, for sure, um, which I think will be a good experience. It seems like one worth revisiting, for sure, um, but I know you liked it much less than both of us. Yeah, I'm going to say a thing that, as, as an insecure, pretentious person, I very rarely say this thing, but I'm going to be like, I, I don't get it. I just don't think I get the movie, generally. I'm like, I sat for him like, I don't understand what it's doing. I don't really get what the point of it is. And it's just, there are s sequences that I enjoy all the way through. Um, but as a whole, Calvin, you're going to tell me out. I really don't understand. I don't understand the movie. <laughs> My uh, relationship with Rick Licorice Pizza started 
all the way back in, I think it was like August in Portland when I was with uh, David of the Twin Geeks podcast and we were seated at the theater and we got mm. the, um, we got the print straight from PTA. He asked in, he asked personally for it to be shown before our movie, which was a jock to tea playtime, um, which is a good pairing. And I was just grinning ear to ear the whole uh, screening. So I was really um, on licorice pizza side. I don't watch many trailers. So uh, mm. just to have one presented that way. The trailer is uh, very good. The trailer is yeah, very, very good. Trailer. Yeah. Also my favorite trailer of last year. <laughs> you have like the life on Mars and it's just mm. well put together like a Hey music video. Um, I think he taps into that. If you're familiar with the aim, like something about uh, Alina Hames, like a, a presence on the screen is a little bit different than leading women usually are. She's stunning. Um, yeah. She's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah right. Something unique about that, but also just the follow through with a, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son uh, embodies something mm-hmm. so spiritual and deep about like that father-son relationship and the son left behind. Uh, I love then, that. I really love that. And I think, again, he is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Something about that really spoke to me emotionally, just uh, mm-hmm. of coming of age stories about sons looking for father figures and uh, doing the wrong things, following the wrong women. And um, I don't uh, really follow the criticism of the film. I think it's a movie about people who aren't together. I don't think it implies relationship mm. whatsoever, but um, I think it's I, an awkward friendship at most. I think we'll tackle that to begin with. I think that's actually one area. I don't want to speak for Vaughn, actually. I know I have no, I've not had this conversation with him, but I think that's one area where I think we all agree. I don't think okay. any of us were particularly kind of like off-put by the sad relationship, which I know a lot no, of people definitely were. definitely not. Um, I want to, I'm going to allude to the words of someone else. I was listening to, I've listened to this podcast for well over a decade now, but the um, Kermode and Mary podcast where someone wrote in, um, so a content warning for that to talk about because it is about grooming and abuse and, and pedophilia. Um, but um, Mark Kermode, the British film critic, loved the movie, really, really loved it um, and spoke wonderfully on it. Um, and this person wrote in with, with their review on it and their take was, and it's the reminder of the subjectivity of, of, of cinema, of cinema will, will reflect your experiences so if you've mm. had a certain experience right reflect reflecting the film and it may echo them even if that's not the intent because intent be damned after a certain point mm. of them because i have no issue with the relationship in the film but i don't know why it would um but they were talking about how when they saw it it reflected on them as a as a victim of grooming um they saw the tactics played in that and the normalization of that to the extent they, they had to leave it and they, they, they could not deal with watching the film so be warned that there is a relationship in it that could be very very uncomfortable um and i totally understand people not liking it um but for me without any kind of like history there to get um upset by as a kind of like agnostic betrayal i thought it was it made a lot of sense to me and i it reminded me of what calvin you wrote in your review about it. it's it's very much a very clever way of capturing the different kinds of arrested development uh, that come out of the gender stereotypes that we've created um, through yeah, society of um, this like man child falling in love with this girl and this girl who I, actually I've, I've read a few reviews from people and again I'm going to defend this one for a while um, who have not liked um, the female role in this because she's dependent on masculinity and for me that's the strength of the film I agree. It. It's, an, yeah. it's an empathetic understanding of she feels she needs to be reliant on men but the film makes right. it clear that she does not need to be. It's a very independent, very, very good performance that you see like a personality there. But the way she keeps episodically clinging to these male figures as a means of identity, which you see re- like, kind of like reflected at her dinner table, that sense of she feels the need because of such constructs, because it's a period piece to have that belonging in her life and be forced into it by it. And I think that's captured very, very, very well. She wants someone to make her feel like a woman, to make her feel wanted. Um and he is just someone that is just like punching up and grifting. And that's part of his grift. It's one of many grifts. So I don't see it as romantic. I see it as silly at the end. Every now and then it oversteps, but I see that's part of it. It's reflective of, of things that happen to be blunt. I listened to the Kermode thing as well. And I could see yeah. that anyone who's experienced something like grooming or any kind of like a physical abuse at the hands of an elder person mm. in their life, I think uh, it could become very uncomfortable. And that's perfectly valid for them. Um, but I uh, I didn't agree with uh, Kermode's other takeaway, which is there's the racist joke, which is like yeah. a replaying of a, a joke from Inherent Vice, which is funny because the guy responds to the kitchen in Japanese, right? And then Inherent Vice, it's a it's a different uh, joke. I mean, yeah, it's... the joke in Inherent Vice is very, very good because it's like, 
because you know who the character is and the character yeah. character throughout the film. So spoilers from Hammer Vice. So there is a Bigfoot Bjornsson, um, who's played by God, I'm blanking on the actor's name. Don't remember. Guy from No Country. No, con- no Country. Uh, Josh Brolin. Josh, Josh Brolin. Okay. Um, so he is shouting uh, at this, this restaurant that he goes to and is shouting in like fake, <laughs> fake language to get the yeah. thing. I won't even say what he says, but like, you know who that character is. You know this character is an asshole. You know this character is trying to appropriate other identities because you see him like pretend to be a hippie on TV and it is of a piece with that. So in this movie, you have two scenes um, spread yeah. out um, of a guy who speaks in comic Japanese voice to his wife. Um, Wives. Wives, yes, yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> and then they, they speak back in, in Japanese and he translates and it builds up to the punchline where he reveals that he doesn't speak Japanese. But um, shish. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I totally see what he's going for in the same way that, mm. like in Inherent Vice, I can see that he's trying to clearly make fun of this guy and say that he is an idiot. I don't think it works in the way that he wants it to. And I think it no. comes across as just more uncomfortable than anything. And I think it's indefensible and actually racist in the way it's It's bad. It's atrocious. I was stunned in the cinema. And I, I, I get it because I feel like there's, but I'm, it's the same voices that I'm hearing defending it. And I don't mean to be, mm-hmm. that sounds really, really mean, but it is the same people because of course they are. And those same people are not listening to voices of others. And it's like, the, the defense is, that it is showing racism in a racist society. And it goes like, but like, but that's not the film. Like, right. Yeah, the film, the film not has nothing that. to say <laughs> about, that. To about that. At least in Inherent Vice, it might have something to say mm. about that character. And it does. Because we understand, like you say, who he is. And and that's really a comment on him. But uh, this character only exists for the racist joke. There's yeah. nothing, there's no other material reason for him. So in and a Inherent film Vice of... is actually about police fascism as well. So oh, yeah. that really works. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, in Inherent Vice, there's a much broader approach to where, where you can branch out to, mm. to. But in Inherent Vice, or not Inherent Vice, sorry, Licorice Pizza is so much more specific. And it's so much about these two characters yeah. that to then branch out and have this whole commentary on someone who's basically ancillary to the whole story feels mm. just weird and it doesn't add anything. Well, I think that character serves some purpose, but it would largely be unnoticeable if those scenes were not in the film. Yeah, they could be taken out. It would make, make no difference. Um, the only, I, I guess the only rational defense is that any part of the movie could be taken out and it yes, might not true. make any difference on Licorice Pizza's outcome. That's, like, that's I agree with you, Calvin. That is true. That is true about the movie. entirely ancillary movie moments, right? Like, mm, it is. Yeah, I mean, I like that about the movie. You don't like that about the movie, but I, I mean... I don't dislike it about the movie. I just don't love it about the movie. Yeah, but my only possible defense of it would be that you could cut any part of it and it wouldn't... Yeah ultimately change the course of the movie yeah i think all it boils down to is i don't care i mean it's been out and said like it's an, an actual thing that happened blah 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 told of a story family story etc etc but it's just like I, at the end of the day all that you've got is there are people in the audience who are just sitting and just have racism repeated back to them and i don't get the point of that at all yeah. um unless it is a film that is commenting on that and the film is not commenting on that just putting it in there even if you're not endorsing it is just propagating it and there's no point um so yeah those scenes i i do agree with you calvin are indefensible and very very uncomfortable and i really hate from those two moments i don't hate the film but those two moments i was like and and also i, I think because you saw it at the critic screening didn't you no i saw it i uh, just saw it oh, okay up. yeah <laughs> oh yeah of course because you had the screen <laughs> so have you seen it in the cinema no i wish i had i i regret it most of all last year not seeing licorice pizza because it like i said i saw the trailer in cinema and yeah beautiful like what was it like uh it's pretty yeah beautiful film print mm. uh, then i didn't see the movie i saw it on a little laptop <laughs> yeah. so so vaughn um when you saw it um, you saw it with a crowd a uh, pretty small crowd it was mostly yeah, i went same. with some i went with some family members over the holidays um and it was we were most of the people in the theater there were a few other people <laughs> so most of the, the reaction to that were... scene pretty quiet it was not yeah it was uncomfortable <laughs> i was I, like this I had is a lot, not funny a, and a nobody around me laughing around funny. me a lot of oh. laughing around me people were very very uh. amused by it and i know people that are amused by it and then the people have said like they're amused because they're they're laughing at like again laughing is not endorsing as well and like laughing can be an uncomfortable reaction there are movies like the yorkus lanthimos movie like dog tooth i'm laughing a lot at points but it's not just being like <laughs> that's hilarious it's like oh my god that is uncomfortable um so i'm trying not to be as judgmental as i actually am um but yeah heinous i just i love so much what the film otherwise provokes like yes. the 1970s fernando valley shot on gorgeous film and um i mean it just soaks atmosphere and sense of place and time and uh 
like I say, like a whole spiritual uh, idea of like where you were uh, at that moment growing up and, and what that uh, coming of age feels like as a awkward teenager uh, going for the wrong girls, usually being disappointed. Mm. I think most men can probably relate to it, but uh, I, I don't think most men could relate to be, being like strung along by this, uh, this woman who's uh, <laughs> seems to be in her 20s. It is a little awkward, but uh, very enjoyable. Like the set pieces, the things mm. they go through together, uh, the motions of the film, the way it's separated. Uh, the stuff about him as an actor, a waterbed salesman, uh, <laughs> an entrepreneur. I mean, they, I, these are fun beats. I do like that, and I like it a lot in description. It just, the film is inherently episodic, um, yeah. but not in a way that they're like discrete narrative arcs. It's just like in, incidentally episodic, so moment, moment, moment. And the more I think back on it, there's a sequence of episodes that I all find kind of annoying. There are, there are bits <laughs> in it that I find annoying. I think, so when I think back at it, so let's say, f- I think the first kind of like, moment where i was like uh, was the the extended sean penn tom wait sequence which very annoying i loved it um, I, th- oh, I, I thought like it was sean great as well penn, i was not I annoyed it. by it oh, i just i can't stand sean penn and it was just like just him being there and just like chatting 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 just like so indul- i mean indulgence like such a pointless criticism and then tom waits is there just tom waiting it up and it's just this like random like showboating cinematic moment that like didn't hit for me and i just find it Sean Penn very irritating on screen um, and it just like built up this thing that just again it's it's so pointless to keep saying this film is pointless um, but it's pointlessness never resonated to oh. a, an external point for me so then, again so there's that sequence which did not work for me and then I think about like how the last third of the movie is that whole like it's, it's Benny Safdie isn't it? Yeah yes yeah. oh cut that stuff out as well like what's going on there? Like, <laughs> I like all that stuff too. I, I I'm glad all of it is in there. I I mean I I don't like Sean Penn either as a person yeah. or any kind of figure, but I, the Tom Waits of it all kind of outweighs that. And the PTA direction of Sean Penn almost makes him uh, at least. Um, uh, I still hate him, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's a, and just being in the news just today, just being even more yeah. just oh yeah, grotesque. not a good oh, look at God. all. I forgot another bit that really annoying. Bradley Cooper's really annoying in this movie as well. No, he's great. It's I love so Bradley annoying. Cooper. <laughs> I like all the things that have annoyed you apart from that. Oh, yeah, me God. too. Yeah. It's it's just, I don't know. I feel like every time there's all those characters on screen, I, I think what doesn't work for me is because I love the central pairing so much. And I think they're, they're so human and they're so wonderful to follow. And I want the punch drug love, punch drug love film that's them. And every time Boogie Nights walks into the film with its like larger than Boogie Nights caricatures, <laughs> I find it really irritating. I'm like, you're not wow. a person of these people. I think it's better than Boogie Nights, which is a fantastic film. I mean, uh, I, I love <laughs> going back to that area and that sense of feeling. Although I'm not sure why you guys invited me on this podcast. I, I've been playing it over in my head and there's nothing at all to spoil because nothing happens. Yeah, it's very um, true. <laughs> I don't I think know we what all just we're to talk spoiling about for anyone. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they don't end up together. There's not a relationship. I guess that's the yep. ending. Is that what we're spoiling? Yeah, there you they, go. It, it, it ends as it begins. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it ends as as it's always been. Like nothing develops. Same nothing as it ever happens. was. Same as yeah. it ever was. <laughs> it's a reflection of life. Uh, that's yeah. how life really works. It doesn't work like a movie. It's life is all these weird, random incidents and and awkward I, things. I want to agree, but like it's just a collection of caricatures with like that <laughs> message underneath. Like I, I, that message would work for me if it felt incidental life moments. If it felt guess, more like slice of life, and it's just like slice of life with just like his SNL reels just like stuck into it. <laughs> you just find that uh, pointlessness to be uh, a bunch Pointless. of nothing, but I find the uh, pointlessness very poignant. <laughs> yeah, it does feel very. The, the pointlessness Dex definitely feels more indicative of the youth that it's trying to capture um, yeah. in just that time period. And it, oh, yeah. it definitely works for me. I can see why it wouldn't work for everyone um, because certainly sometimes the films that like that that are just kind of aimless are harder to connect to everybody. Um, but I think it works really well. Uh, I think even, I mean, obviously, as Calvin said, both of us really liked all of those side characters. I think that, oh, yeah. that kind of, I think that it actually plays to the film's strengths because I think when you have this central connection, the central relationship between these two characters that is very human and much more grounded, I think it makes it plays to its strength and that it makes more sense that then when everyone around them is so ridiculous that it continues to draw them back together. Um, and that's, I mean, it works for me, but it's it like clearly- Roger Rabbit. Like it's just two characters in cartoon world. It's ridiculous. Barbara Streisand. 
<laughs> oh, see that—that that is just. Like, I felt like every Bradley Cooper is, I think, my least favorite part of the film. So uh. I felt like every, every interaction with him was just like they're like, keep the camera rolling. This is gold. Let's get a little bit. It's gold. I'm like, cut out half of this. I think him just like riffing and making jokes about poo or whatever. It's like, shut up. I thought this and Nightmare Alley showed such a different side of Bradley Cooper that I like that him. I, really as well. enjoyed. I do like him. Yeah, I I like him more and more. I think he, mm, he continues yeah, I think to impress great. me and grow and. I think both of these movies show a different side of its growth, which is For sure. really interesting. You're outnumbered, Stephen. I like this. I, know, I like I that I can outnumber Stephen now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 and it's, it, that, this film's really interesting, and it's going to be, it, it is not a kind of like debate to be had about the film, apart from the two moments that we've obviously introduced the debate around, because it is just so pure for one of a better term, vibe cinema of like ultimately right. just like, do you get in its wavelength? And if you do, you coast along with it. And I'm I'm really interested by that because I thought I was going to love this because I am the resident inherent vice enjoyer. Right. And like the critique of inherent vice was being like, again, to, to quote Kermode, he talked about like there comes a point if you feel that you feel like you're the only sober person in the room of drunk people and you're like, <laughs> what's going on here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm loving this getting up involved in this. I remember I talked about it on the other podcast, but I remember seeing inherent vice dragged three friends along to see it all of whom hated it two of which fell asleep um, this was like the opening night 11 p.m screening which was a terrible idea but i had a great time i saw it again the next day i loved it that seems like uh, the best time to see it here yeah, no i yeah. thought so too like five people walked out um <laughs> i think my friends would have walked out but they just went to sleep instead um, and at the end some like this old couple behind me just turned around and went well i wouldn't give it five stars and i was like okay fair enough i didn't wasn't really asking but fine <laughs> clearly they were because it got loads of really glowing reviews in like newspapers and they were clearly the newspaper crowd were like oh i've got five stars in the telegraph i'll go see this movie that everyone's talking about me like hmm, you shouldn't have been here but fine um so like so it comes down to why do i like inherent vice and why do i what do i love sorry inherent vice and why do i only kind of like like licorice pizza Oh, are you? I thought you were asking that to yourself. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I am asking that to myself. I think I have an answer. But do you, do you want us to answer for you? I mean, um, do you think I'm being hypocritical? Am I being hypocritical of one vibe movie over the other? No, I, I mean, think I don't they're think, very different. Yeah, I don't I think, think you can really be movies. hypocritical about it because they are, even though they have the same kind of purpose of being aimless and not necessarily speaking to one coherent narrative, they are very different and they do do different things. So I think it's perfectly reasonable to vibe with one and not the other. I think for me, the issue is it's all the style that I love from Inherent Vice, but if you take away the pinchin, that movie doesn't work for me at all. Mm. Um, like the Pinchonian heft, I like Pinch as a novelist. I like, I like the ideas in Inherent Vice. I like that the pointlessness is about paranoia. It's about the decay of an age. It all points towards something not political, but something thematic and philosophical. And I do agree with you, Calvin, because obviously you are correct that there is some lovely stuff here about kind of like age and gender and what it means to be young at a certain period. But I mean, maybe that's just not as interesting to me, I guess. And maybe I feel like that's articulated better, some of those things in Punch Drunk Love. I want Punch Drunk Love, not Punch Drunk Love Vice. <laughs> I'd say this is closer to a Punch Drunk Love than it is Inherent Vice. Actually. It's a 90-minute movie. Like, it's a tight 90-minute movie that focuses on that relationship. Yeah. And that works for me. Yeah, I could see it. I could see those complaints and still, uh, I think vibes was the right word. Mm. I think <laughs> I think finding and being on its wavelength right. is the most important thing here. Yeah. I feel like Licorice Pizza is like, I like the one Louis Guzman in um, Much Like Love. And now I have five of them. <laughs> I'm like, it's just <laughs> one of those characters. It's really fun to me. And it, I, I agree with you, Vaughn. And then it's like, what a great juxtaposition to like, the core of the film is very for something else. And now there are like five different comic relief characters like orbiting around that I'm like, I'm finding you all increasingly <laughs> annoying. I'm just, I'm surprised you didn't like Bradley Cooper. I thought he was, I thought he's one of the best parts of the movie. I, I don't, again, I don't, there's nothing in the movie I dislike apart from the racism. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's just like, he's fine. I like the intensity in his stare. It was just every time being like, this scene could have been five minutes shorter you gave me five lines one would have been fine and it just it feels like trying so hard to be like this is a bit on the edge this is a bit crazy it's like you know the if i would say the best scene in boogie nights what's the best scene in boogie nights it's for me it's the tension the anxiety at the end when they're in the house and everything's yes. falling out right yes the alfred molina they walk in like oh, someone's yeah. shooting a gun into the air i like i feel like they're going for that quite frequently with the bradley cooper stuff 
and it works i think it works the same I way not, oh, like it, <laughs> I, not like the tension and anxiety of it but i think mm. it, i think the build-up and the payoff works mm. for me in a different way than it does in boogie nights yeah i would agree because with alfred molina's character the threat of violence is so much more real like yeah. he's got the yeah. gun there and he's like it's it's that much more immediate but bradley cooper is just saying words and then nothing ever comes of it which i think just makes it that much better for his character true, who clearly true. who clearly is just all talk yeah he's he's clearly not going to do anything despite like the big uh talk about you know who he is and what he's right. going to do and what he's about he's clearly too drugged up to even be mm. effectual like at the end of the uh, conflict there but i feel for all four of these films I would like all four of these films if they were films. I would like the kind of like um, the more Chinatowny, uh, more inherent vicey Benny Safdie stuff about like political corruption or non-corruption. That even like there's a bit of like all presence men in that kind of stuff. It's that's really interesting if it were a film. And the Bradley Cooper stuff, if it was like more Boogie Nightsy, would be interesting. And the Sean Penn Tom Waits movie, maybe there's something there that's like more like Hollywood pastiche. And when it's just like sifting through them like their little postcards I, I don't settle into any of them and for me they're all too like broad brush to really give me much my second point of major criticism is that they should have kept the soggy bottom name I agree <laughs> I do think that's a good title it does make more sense once you actually see the movie in advance I was wondering why that was ever a working title but <laughs> I loved it <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a great the peculiarity of that uh licorice pizza i mean it's kind of harder to get your head around too i mean like uh you think about vinyl and then you think about eating vinyl and it's confusing but named after some <laughs> vinyl record shop i guess yeah mm. i i get the point of it going for that something that existed in that time period but since it's not actually ever a part of the movie that really matches it in any way aside from the movie has a good soundtrack i mean yeah. it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense mm. to have that as the title yeah it's a very pretty movie. It, it sounds gorgeous. I agree with you. It is It is sharply written. Um, I don't know if I like it in execution as much as like, I feel like if I read the script, I'm like, man, this is so many good lines. Um, but I don't like its, its expression as much. Hmm. I just, I want to like, I think I just, I just want to like it way much, so much more than I did. I want to feel like Halvin does. I want to feel even like, like Vaughn does about it. And I just, I just really wish that I hit it. And I kind of feel like I need to watch it again, but I just don't want to watch it again because there are bits I'm like, I don't want to sit for that, but I don't want to sit for that, but yeah. I don't want to sit for that, but. There's even a lot of phantom thread in here in some awkward ways in the mm. relationship and the dynamics between yeah. them. I feel like there's there's so much of each uh, PTA movie in here. Yeah, I mean, you sure. could look at like The Master or uh, yes. Phantom Thread, Boogie Nights, uh, Punch Stroke Glove, a little inherent vice. I could see how you could say there's four different movies worth. I feel like. I feel like there's at least two movies here, uh, and I think uh, I like them all together. I, I could see not, though. Mm. Yeah, it definitely comes down to just that wavelength, and if you can if you can get on and enjoy it, or if uh, if you're Steven and it's just a bunch of postcards that you don't want to look at. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm sending this back, so <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Your, your holiday looks fun. However, I wasn't there. <laughs> Like, I'm sure you had fun taking these snapshots. However, I again, no, not for me. Um, so yeah, it is, it is unfortunately, now that I've seen the movie, um, definitely my least favorite um, Paul Thomas Anderson film, which feels like heresy already because obviously Hard Day is good, notably but... the weakest, but for me, just like, no, sorry, yeah, that makes it's probably it's somewhere in the middle for me. I mean, again, I like all of them, so it's hard to mm. really say that the middle or even the bottom is bad because I still like Hard Aid quite a lot, but. Definitely doesn't reach the heights of my favorites, but it's it's still great. And Calvin? I mean, it's not my favorite, but it's close. Um, yeah. It's close to The Master, close to Phantom Thread. Just because it's a combination of so many movies I, I love and hold really dear. Again, I was smiling the whole movie, and uh, there wasn't a point where I ever, you know, really felt down on the experience. I was, I was really gliding with it. I can't wait for rewatches. And I think the steam of the movie could grow a little bit. Um, I think not that many people have seen it. I think it's a, I think maybe yeah. it's not been as accessible. I don't even yeah. know where someone will watch it. Is it even on demand? <sighs> it was it's so hard. Not, it's not on demand no. yet. So I, I like yeah, the cinema happen. chain that I have like a subscription to for this like ticket thing. Like there was only of, of like the four that are in driving distance. Only one of them was showing it, and at weird times so it took me a while to even go get to see it, which is weird because Phantom Fred did did yeah. well. Yeah, and yeah. I could have gone to see that anywhere, and like I mean, obviously they would love it incredibly. And inherent vice 
like I could okay. go see that movie, <laughs> Master. I could, go, I could go see that movie. This one was hard to see, which is it. it which weirdly, even though I don't like it very much, this one seems more accessible than the Definitely. last few films. Yeah, it could have done very well, I think, mm. in a different time. Yeah, as far as I also saw Phantom Thread with my family, I think this was probably much more, much more well received by the uh, really the wider group. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Phantom Thread for I think people like us who love movies, it's it's much more fascinating to explore. But for my family who are much more easygoing as far as going to the movies, I remember them being kind of like, I don't know what I just watched or what I was supposed to get out of that. Apart from the one notable exception that you all know what we're talking about, um, like I feel like that movie in my life has just had like such a big hit rate with like everybody. Um, I mean, Calvin knows I'm alluding to the one notable exception. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I watched it with my parents. I mean, my mom fell asleep because she falls asleep during films. What she does, dad really liked it, um, recommended it to people. And I've talked about it at school and like students that saw it really liked it. I found them Fred. I don't know. I live in a bubble maybe. but uh, Awkwardly divisive among like our twin geeks group maybe. But uh, yeah, like I, the outer people that I, people that I trust and, and mm. respect. I'm saying that I only <laughs> respect you if you like phantom thread <laughs> i mean any any movie that has a sequence that so overtly kind of like um pastiches or alludes to babe pig in the city like cannot be <laughs> that's all you need to win over steven I mean, if there had only, if there'd only been joking. a babe pig in the city sequence in licorice pizza <laughs> yeah um there you go hmm. that's good I mean, i'm sure we can all agree here that licorice pizza is whatever you think about it it's no babe pig in the city <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if either of us are going to agree with you on that one, Steve. Really? Yeah, I don't agree. Um, <laughs> really? I'll take what? licorice pizza every time. A two, Calvin. A two. <laughs> Gosh, Babe in the City is very good, guys. <laughs> I do love Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, I do right. too. I think we yeah. all do. I don't think there's any of us that dislike it. Unlike yeah. uh, uh, unlike licorice pizza, Babe. Pick in the city universally beloved. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that famous <laughs> Absolutely. universally beloved movie, Babe Pick in the City. Not at all. Incredibly divisive. Universally beloved among friends of Steven, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome to my cult. Um, <laughs> so there you go, Licorice Pizza. Paul Thomas, Paul, Tom, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie, Licorice Pizza, which Calvin adores, and I get why, and I wish I did. And Vaughn really likes it. I do really like it. Yeah. Um. Just very quickly, I'm thinking of spoiling things. Bonus episode. Calvin, get back. Get back. <laughs> get back. Get back. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's awfully good. Um, it's, it's very very good. I think I think I think Vaughn saw it as well. I think I saw another one. Steve watched it. I, it. I thought I saw you had. Oh god damn it! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you follow the wrong account, then yes, I watched it. Uh, Sorry, it's confusing. I don't know why you've done that. Um, It presents the Beatles almost as if they're a living band, and in like the Mm. nature of like Peter Jackson's restorations that he's done lately, uh, just it feels lifelike, as you were saying in your review, Stephen. It's just uh, like just stunning. It's just stunning. Lively images on the screen that feel modern, and Mm. they're so refreshed that hard to take your eyes off it, and makes the Beatles feel so culturally legitimate and real it, and makes them feel every day in an accessible way but yeah. also like conveys their how exceptional they are at the same time and i don't i don't even know how it does that of like you're just seeing like john lennon just be a goof and just like which is the most hilarious thing throughout the whole thing is just like there's one point i turn the screen to show and they're like he's just like wearing a t-shirt over his knees and just like hopping around on the floor <laughs> like what's going on in this movie john lennon you're a strange man <laughs> they spent most of the movie just like singing songs at each other just in weird voices <laughs> yeah this is the beatles okay yeah, i i guess i don't know if that's why i thought the beatles were either no. i think it humanizes them in a big way mm. where uh, i have the very much uh sold by tv ed sullivan show here's yeah. the beatles performing here here they are in their famous shots of like them fishing up a building in seattle that's how that's how we see them every day here and even when you see the concert at the end which if you've seen let it be you've seen let it be it's really interesting now seeing like let's play the same song like five times in a row and like practicing and going through so like even like this very iconic moment in rock and roll history where you're like oh this man they did a concert it was incredible now you're like oh you play that song again huh oh i forgot the words (laughs) after that one as well (laughs) that's weird the repetitions are really interesting too because mm. they're always different versions there's always something yeah. totally different about each song and it shows what's so important about live and and really the recording process i'm kind of obsessed that, with documentaries that go like really deep into what it really takes to make an album because we 
I think we think like an album just comes together, but yeah. it, it obviously takes weeks and, and days in the recording studio just uh, doing this, which is fascinating yeah. to watch. I mean, the, the creative process will never not fascinate me. And I feel like it's a thing that uniform, uniformly film has done a very bad job of capturing because they like to keep the mystique around it. Like I allude to it in the review that wrote in Letterboxd, but like the idea that I think Bohemian Rhapsody is the worst defender because it wants yeah, to have this like, it's such a terrible movie, but it has this terrible. scene about, about them writing Bohemian Rhapsody and they just like, it's a montage of them like pushing things around in a studio and like swinging on stuff and they're like and then we wrote a song I'm like oh. yeah like, it's like, what it means <laughs> everything like... in that movie is like they have these incidental revelatory moments that come very quickly run after each other and then they yeah. write iconic music without any <laughs> skipping a beat ever it's, it's like, like the, i don't know about that it's like the rooster yeah. croons in the morning and suddenly bohemian rhapsody the song yes. just happens right. in a barn right like where is in this one, you've got George Harrison walking around trying to coin the line that you know is something in the way she moves me attracts me like no other lover, which scans so cleanly. And he's just like, how about like no cauliflower? There's no cauliflower here. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then it's like talking about it. They even get to the right line. It's like, I just have like like nobody else, but I think cauliflower works better. It's like, what about pomegranate? I'm like, that doesn't even fit. <laughs> What about pomegranate? Oh. Uh, I, I think uh, TV allows it to do so much more too. Like I can think of so few movies that really do the creative process. Mm. Like, awkwardly, Rocket Man somehow it fits it in and does like the whole relationship there. Um, I think having all that time, like the, the 400 plus minutes or whatever it is, uh, just having those three episodes, I, that works. That, Reminds that me weirdly of, let me see if I get it right. Psycho symbio psychotaxoplasm, which way yeah, is that go. movie? Um, yeah. it, it, re it reminds me of that in the terms of like getting into the weeds of how are things made and why are things made, and that the, the act of things being made is its own artistic thing as opposed to just like the art that comes out of it. Ah, it's it's also like a document of a document, effectively. Mm. So that I could see the, the double purpose there uh, mm. because it really is revitalizing an old document and making it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very good. So there you go. That was our bonus episode on Get Back. <laughs> 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 which i wanted to sneak in there because i spent eight hours watching that i'm not going to not talk about it um so um thank you for joining us calvin calvin what can you plug uh the twinkeeks.com that's our website where you found this podcast uh and many others like it the twin geeks podcast uh where we go through uh director filmographies and rank mm. them at the end uh ranking the monsters where we go through kaiju filmographies and rank them at the end and uh three letters five mics where we well go done. through rap discographies and rank them at the end <laughs> we, we need to start doing ranking on this show yeah like, <laughs> like all right licorice pizza is actually no, it's, not, it's nowhere near the worst film we've done so far it's, we've mostly done that acceptable <laughs> we have an eternals part. episode you can't even claim that as a joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, actually this is one of the best movies we've talked about i agree <laughs> yeah even i agree with that um, one of the best ones we've talked about on the site i agree <laughs> interesting 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 yeah so those those shows exist um you can listen to them um there's some good writing up there it's it's sundance season so sundance reviews will be um probably over time i know that i mean kevin what have you seen that's, that's struck out at sundance um i have one more to go um but i've seen meet me in the bathroom which is like a document of like uh 2000s new york rock post 9-11 and that decade that follows like oh. yeah 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 strokes and uh that that whole legacy of music which is really interesting i like that quite a bit okay. um there's uh what else did i see jihad rehab which is about like the reformation of uh terrorists that are sent back to saudi yeah. arabia if they're uh yemen citizens so they get locked down and they try to reform it they have like an 85 percent success rate but it's interesting to watch them like work through their feelings and uh, figure yeah. out how they got there but also then uh there's a regime change and they have to go back to society and that's incredibly difficult for them. So I end up being very sympathetic and almost mm. crying for some of these uh, uh, people that I wasn't sure how I'd feel. About. So very interesting also. Uh, I watch that. What else was there? Um, oh, wait, whilst, whilst he's doing that, um, I, have, I, have, I have one comment and then one question. Um, I liked the John C. Riley bit in Licorice Pizza a lot, obviously. His um, one line. <laughs> that bit was great. Where's Ben Stiller? People say that Ben Stiller's in it. Ben Stiller's in it? I don't yeah. Is he? I didn't. I didn't yeah, no, know he's, that. He's, def true. he's definitely in it. Um, wow! Did not know that. It's, it's even. It's even briefer, unless it's a joke on the cast list. Huh? No, I did not. Uh, did not okay. clock that one. Instantly recognized John C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Riley. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Um, what, else, great, what else did we see? <laughs> yeah. Um, Vaughn, I know that you saw uh, the new movie from someone whose first feature wasn't that great, so I hope that this new one is good. <laughs> another, another instance where Stephen and I <laughs> strongly disagree. Um, I saw Koganada's new movie, After Yang, which I absolutely loved. I also love Columbus. Stephen does not. Um, Columbus is fantastic. Like After Yang, also fantastic. I do think that Stephen will like After Yang. I, I read your review and it made me think like, oh, I don't want to watch everything you wrote about what, but you did a really good breakdown of like what is happening in that movie and what is doing in it. For like, the, like the, what I read about what is in that, I'm like, oh, I want to see how this is realized because that sounds, I don't know. It, it reminded me of the kind of, the kind of like science fiction that we don't get enough of. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like, the clone returns home and things like Solaris. It doesn't seem like it's totally similar to Solaris, um, but the aesthetic that I got from your words reminded me a lot of things like that, of the more contemplative, slow sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. Definitely yeah. the kind of sci-fi that I don't get enough of, but really love. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That and um, Cha Cha Real Smooth were the same ones for me. <laughs> That's from the director of Shithouse, who's yes. terrible at naming movies. <laughs> yes, Cooper Rafe, uh, his, his second movie. Uh, fantastic movie, I agree. Oh, I was, Not a great name, but a uh, very really good movie. Hoping... Have either of you seen the documentary about who let the dogs out? <laughs> no, what a, that's a very specific Maybe. documentary. Oh my god, you both need to watch it um, because it, it, it it's it's I think it's I did not it. like an, an amazing film, but the thing it documents is fascinating. Mm. Of who wrote who? It's like who let the, who let the dogs out? It's like it seems like a simple <laughs> question, but what actually does it mean? And we go through like who actually wrote it, where it comes from, and the history that it uncovers is utterly wild so yeah i i presume the cha-cha real smooth was was about the cha-cha slide um and was similar in that way but it's similar <laughs> it's uh, that song is in the movie but it is oh, not good. not about that <laughs> okay just bad at naming movies good at making them yeah yeah what is shithouse i don't know i see that come up on letterbox i'm like well i'm not watching that it's it like is... licorice pizza in college yeah. oh. it, it totally well <laughs> i don't know if i would agree with that it's <laughs> Although I don't necessarily agree 100%. A lot of people compare it to um, like Linklater, like the before movies. It's more like that. Um, but it's 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 great because Shithouse is Cooper Rafe kind of going, making a movie to deal with his own college experiences um, and kind of documenting that in a way. And then Cha-Cha Real Smooth is like the same thing, but with post-college and coming back home and figuring your life out. So it's like kicking and screaming. I don't know. Calvin Easton kicking and screaming. Is that the movie I'm thinking of? The mm, movie? Yeah, I think that is the one you're thinking of. Okay, well, it sounds like that. Sorry. <laughs> Apparently not it sounds like one you're thinking of. Um, my favorite movie, though, of the festival, The Cow Who yes. Sang a Song into the Future, which I don't think anyone <gasps> else saw. Um, I read the title and I was like, I want to see that. It's from uh, Francisca Algeria, who uh, made another cow movie um, called. Uh, is it called you want those no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> and the whole sky fit in the dead cow's eye is the name of that movie <sighs> that rhymes and this one i know it does rhyme a uh, good at making movie titles actually yeah. uh, take, that. That, take that everybody else <laughs> take that cooper rafe as this chilean director how dare you and uh this director <laughs> said the, you you said the pizza wasn't I great said soggy said bottoms that. a better title but uh okay you implied it yeah i i, I also like titles with cows in them so uh, mm. as the cow sure. advocate on the site, I have to really put up for uh, my Chilean film directors who seems to be doing yeah. some interesting work about a, a cell phone radiates the town and dead people start coming back and haunting the living <laughs> and they have conversations <laughs> with them. All the cows die, but the cows first have to sing a song into the future that what? connects us with our dead relatives. Um, Great. Well, that is not what I expected I, at all. I, I, I was expecting an Uncle Boon Me. I was expecting from that title a Boon Me like. You know, it does sound more like a genre of Boon Me's, all the Boon Me likes. <laughs> the cows really do sing a song. The lady goes out and they, they sing songs to her in wow. really ethereal ways. Um, is there a spaceship at the end? No. Well, that would be a, well, this, and we, until we do the spoiler episode for that, we can't say. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't what think any of it like. Stephen just spoiled. Stephen just spoiled a film. But what film was it? <laughs> I don't think it makes any sense, but I do think it's the best movie is Sundance, and uh, I give it eight out of ten. Great. You didn't movie. see Cha Cha Rules Move then? No, we didn't. I don't think we watched any of the the same movies. I I avoided all the stuff you saw, so we could have a, a diversity of reviews at least. But uh, <laughs> I have a Fire of Love also. That's my last one, which okay. is today, uh, oh, which cool. sounds like people who fall in love and then fall into a volcano. 
Uh, oh. Why is going on sometimes? Does... <laughs> Everyone like that sounds like a movie. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, you describe. I'm like, sorry, what? Uh, this one's a documentary though, so it should be great. Uh, what? Yeah, it'll be fantastic. I can't wait to review it. Okay, yeah. I, I, well, I hit up the site. It sounds like fascinating, <laughs> fascinating times um, to be there. Um, thank you for joining us, Calvin. Um, hopefully, we passed your um, criteria, and hopefully, we retain our our jobs as <laughs> spoiling things. We'll be um, keeping the show. Happy to say. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, great. Good, good, good news. Good, good, good. We'll just I mean, be yeah, replacing. You know. We'll be replacing Stephen because yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but we'll keep the show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, David is very good, so I, I look forward to be replaced by David. Well, Murph, <laughs> I guess. I mean, Murph would be a good me. Yeah, speaking of replacing people, no, but we'll have news soon on other Twin Geek shows uh, and lineup changes. Uh, okay, look, look forward to that, I guess. I, <laughs> or don't look forward to it, depending on your perspective. Either look forward to it or don't, depending on how you feel about the webs. <laughs> I'm, is that about the daydream cast? It could be announced by then, by the time this goes out. When does this show? Who puts this show out? Um, you! <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're, we've been alternating with ranking the monsters, so it should be this episode will probably be in like a month. <laughs> Our... <laughs> How did you like that song dance coverage? Guys? <laughs> it's, uh, it's the Oscars now; no one cares. All of these Sundance movies will be out by then. <laughs> we won't have the advanced review anymore. So, um, our friend Murph will be taking over uh, co-hosting duties on the Daydreamcast with uh, oh, Bro cool. with Brogan, oh, that's awesome. and uh, our friend Pablos will still come in when he can, and uh, yeah. just scheduling conflicts and a, everyone's a very, living very different lives. Man. So, yeah, and we have time zone differences. I mean, uh, mm. Brogan's on the East Coast and. Pavlos is on the German coast. Yeah. There's only one coast in Germany, so, you know. <laughs> you would assume. That... Yeah, the North Coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the North Coast of Germany. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, it's just, it's just so fun to talk to the three of you, you know, just filling time. But alas, we have to end. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, it makes sure to... to I mean, you've already listened, so listen again. Why not? No, but um, give us give us a review, give us a like, and join our community on our Discord. Um, you can find links everywhere on the website, Twin Geeks, Twin Geeks, the <laughs> I'm so good at words. Never mind, cancelling the show. <laughs> community tab, and you can come. So if you enjoy me being sarcastic and horrible to my friends on this podcast, <laughs> I could be that to you. <laughs> There you go. You can do that. And Vaughn and Calvin can be nice. <laughs> I'll continue that role. That's fine. There you go. Excellent. Thank you very much. And we had a sign out, but I forget what it was. Oh, we're thinking of ending things. The podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's like Street Fighter the movie. It's a minute by minute breakdown. I'm thinking of we can't get it right i think last Super time brothers, the movie we'll never get it right and that's what's good about it i think last time we had said that we would decide it on i'm thinking of ending this podcast and i still messed it up calvin has joked about ending the podcast i think we could just end with i'm thinking of ending the podcast calvin please um, uh, our iconic line go i'm thinking of ending things <laughs> God damn it. Is that not the No. <laughs> That's it. We're never going to get it right. I'm thinking of ending the podcast. It's, be it's better if we well, end it without the, cor the correct ending. Gosh, I hope you have three letters because I've got five mics over here. Bye. <laughs>